Hello, I'm Rick Lancaster. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible as we study through God's Word together. It's my hope that as we go through these messages that we will all grow in our understanding of God's Word. As we grow in our understanding, we'll also be better equipped to glorify God, bless others, and grow faith ours and others. If you have any questions about anything in this teaching, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. With that said, let's get into the Word and see what the Spirit would say to us today. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we do praise you and thank you for this opportunity to gather and to talk about these things that, um, while there is a, a fascination and an interest in them, we also we need to recognize, Lord, uh, that when you tell us what the future is about the future, and as we compare those things to today, that, that, that it, it meant, it's meant to, uh, to do something in us. It's meant to move us, to, to influence us in some way. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would now take up a residence, that you're already there, Lord, but that you would, that you would occupy our minds with these things in such a way that you will help us to understand how we're to apply them, understand them in a way that will draw us closer to you and that will move us out into the world in a way that uh, brings your word out to those who need to hear it. Also give us a sense of peace and comfort knowing that even though some of these things that we hear are just weird and, and strange and sometimes terrifying and, and uh, just disgusting and all of that stuff, that Lord God, that you're on the throne, that you look down upon this earth and you see all these things with a pure heart and a pure um, vision of not just the reality of what these things are, but a clear vision of what the future is as well. And so we look at these things recognizing, Lord God, that you want to say something to your people. And Lord, as we speak to your church about these things, Lord, we pray, open our hearts and minds to receive all that you have for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name while the devil flies overhead. <laughs> okay, uh, welcome to the Future Today Prophecy Meeting as we gather monthly to take a look at those things that are going on in the world around us and compare them to the Bible to see what it is that the Bible says to us about these things. Our format is pretty simple. I take about 20 minutes and, and pick a topic um, about prophecy, um, and then Randy will share a little bit along the same pro the, the same topic, um, and then he will share um, some news articles and connect those to um, the Bible prophecy as well, and then we'll open it up to a time of, of question and answers. So saying all of that, we hope that you have questions, and no question is off the table. Um, while we are we are here to talk about prophecy. We can talk about anything that the Lord puts on your heart. Um, if you're watching online, there are a few people watching online. And so uh, if you have questions, put them in the chat and uh, we'll do our best to answer them. And um, if, if you're you know, shy about answering them, you can, if you have my phone number, you can text me. If you don't have my number, you can text Kelly or Andy or Debbie, somebody, text somebody, let's get the questions, let's talk about these things, all right? All right, thank you for encouraging me with a response. All right, last month we, we talked about, we had the question, will there be peace in the world before the rapture? And I gave you a very simple answer, no. 
And, and as long as there's sin in the world, there's not going to be peace in the world. And, and there's, it goes on after that. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. Um, it was about a month ago. Um, yeah, and, and this is especially true as long as wicked people are in authority. If, if the rulers are wicked, then there's no reason to expect peace in, in whatever community that you're living in. If you're living in you know, a, a state that has a wicked leader, and a wicked leader is defined as someone who rejects God and his word. I mean, you can, there's two choices. You're either wicked or righteous. And there's no shades of gray. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. So we can talk about some of the other stuff. But the reality is, if a leader rejects God and his word, his only, the only thing he can produce is wickedness. And so if that's the case, then there can be no peace and so that's what we're seeing. So we're, we're going to answer, we're gonna, this month's question is a little bit different. We're going to ask the question, will the world get better in the end times? So turn in your Bible to Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is a classic um, prophecy scripture section. And we're going to look at a, quite a few verses there. Now first we need to understand what the end times, what, what, what do we mean when we say end times? You know, simply, it's the time preceding the second coming. So when is that? Well, it could be today. You know, we could refer to today as the end times. When did the end times begin? At the, at the ascension of Jesus Christ is when the end times began. You know, the, the, all the time leading up to his second coming. And so there's, there's, it's not a, a, a definite period of time unlike, say, the tribulation period. The tribulation period is a definite seven-year period of time that precedes the second coming. And, you know, the, the tribulation period is not the end times. The tribulation period is in the end times. It's the end of the end times. But everything leading up to the second coming is the end times. So, so Jesus talked to his disciples about this topic the topic of the end time. So we'll pick it up in Matthew 24, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And they're looking around, they're saying, Look, wow, look at how amazing this is. This awesome building. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't get any better than this, kind of a thing. They were pretty impressed. And Jesus responded in verse 2. And said, Jesus said to them, Do not do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus saying to them, don't, don't look at this as if it is something that you can trust in. Don't, don't, don't look at it. Because you know, they looked at that thing and they saw a building that looked like it had been built to last forever. I mean, it's a big, massive, glorious building. And Jesus said, yeah, it, it won't be that long from now. It's going to be, it, it, every stone will be torn out of this thing and thrown down. And it was. In 70 AD, the Roman uh, general Titus came in and literally pulled every stone off the Temple Mount and threw them down to strip it down for all of its treasure. So then the disciples say, okay, well, we need a little bit more information than that. So in verse 3, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming 
and of the end of the age. Three questions wrapped up into one, and Jesus then unfolds this in verse 4. And continuing, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. There's a scary thought. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Does Jesus sound like he's saying everything is going to get better and better and better? That's not what it sounds like. It doesn't sound like he's saying things are going to get better. That as his second coming approaches, oh yeah, it's just all going to be all, you know, kumbaya, we're all hanging around, loving, loving God and serving him. No, it's not going to be like that. It's, going to be, it's not going to be that easy. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Oh, hold on, there's more. Wait, don't, 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 don't buy it yet. Don't order now. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We can see lawlessness abounding in our culture today like, like never in my lifetime have we seen it. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. As, our, as believers, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in heaven. Our, our hope is not that this world will get better. It is, our hope is in the perfection of glory with God, with Jesus in heaven. That's where our hope is. Will the world get better in the end times? Now, the problem with answering that question is that better is a relative term. You know, that, that better than what is the question that you would ask. Is it going to get better? You know, it really all depends. A better question might be, can the world get better in the end times? Maybe. Maybe it could get better, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. The closer we get to the return of Christ, the more active the forces of evil are going to be. The more actively will we see the enemy of our souls working to disrupt and to, to lead astray those who are called, are called upon the name of Christ. 2 Timothy 3 says this, but, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come for men, gosh, we could just see all these things all through our culture. Not new, but see it manifested clearly. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That sounds so much better, right? No, no. You know, back in our text, Jesus says something that, that tells us not to give up on this world. I mean, we look at this world, we can say, okay, just forget it. I want no part of this world. 
can I just move to Texas? Like, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's heaven on earth is Texas. No, it's not. They have their own issues. But, you know, Idaho, what's, what's, what's the what's one you would pick? Colorado. Idaho. Idaho, okay. I'm staying in Menifee. I don't care how bad it floods. Deb told me we're leaving in a year. In a year? Oh, I don't believe you. In verse 14 of, of Matthew 24. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Yep. Um, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The end times will end when Jesus returns on a white horse to establish his kingdom on this earth. That's when the end times will end. Now, as believers, they're going to end a little bit earlier than that. They will end when, the, when Jesus comes back and takes his church out of the world, and it's the event that we refer to as the rapture. That's when the end times will end for us. Until then, we are called to be vessels that God can use to proclaim the gospel wherever we go. In whatever way he's made us, in whatever format, whatever circles of influence we might have, God has called us to take his word, his truth, his gospel out into this world. As the, world, as the gospel goes forth, this is, this is the, kind of the main point of this. You know, will the world get better? Can the world get better? As the gospel goes forth, the world gets a little bit better. It is the gospel that changes the world. God's word, God's truth, the, the reality of this, the things that this book says, only the gospel has the power to change the world, to make it any better than it is. Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul speaking, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That, that qualifier there is really important. It is the power of God to those who believe. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. When God's people live by faith, when they're, when they're going and they're doing, they're recognizing this is what God's Word says, if this is what God's Word says, and so I, I, my life needs to align with what God's Word says, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conform my life to God's Word as we do that and we respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit leads us out into this world, as dark as it is, confused as it is, as messed up as it is, He leads us out there. As we go out and we do that, the, the, the influence that we have in this world is going to make it a little better. You know, this, were, this year I think we were given proof of the reality of that. The Dobbs decision overturned Roe v. Wade. I mean, a radical, I mean, something, I, you know, I, I'm a man of faith. I'm, not, I'm just not sure that was possible until it actually happened. I'm praising God. I heard yesterday and as a result of that decision, 66, interesting number, 66 abortion clinics have closed so far. It's not enough. Not enough. But those 66 clinics represent potentially thousands of babies that might live now 
as a result of that. Did the world get a little bit better? My answer is absolutely yes, it did, got, it did get a little bit better. When God's people live by faith in humility before God, in obedience to God's word, the world gets better. Now, I have, I have no expectation that we're going to be able to make this world, you know, an Eden before Jesus comes back, because the Bible says pretty clearly that it's not going to be. But we can make it better. And we make it better simply by walking in faith, in obedience to God in his word. We, you, know, we, you know, we have very soon, within about 30 days, we have midterm elections coming up. We can walk by faith, live by faith, and vote. I mean, we can still influence this world toward God, toward righteousness, toward good. Now, we can't make it all better. We can't fix everything because, unfortunately, for the most part, we only get to vote for sinners. But do we still vote for the best sinner we possibly can? And if we do that, we have a chance of making things better. And that's important. That's all God's calling us to, just a little bit better. Brothers and sisters, live by faith, and the world will get a little bit better. Amen? Pastor Randy, you're up. <laughs> you know, um, a, a few times ago when we were doing our future today, um, sharing a lot of um, headlines and a question at the end asked me, um, can you share something more of a positive nature, <laughs> you know? And that really hit me, I, I will tell you. In fact, for several months, every time um, I prepare, um, I start looking for that. But what's been interesting, especially recently, since the last time that we presented, um, I've, I've heard all kinds of believers and all kinds of ministries that have been under oppression. Not only oppression, but discouragement. In fact, uh, Jan Markell of Olive Tree Ministries, a prophetic ministry, quoted a person that uh, had written to them and said, would you please present a radio show to encourage your listeners who are discouraged and made doubtful by the rampant evil and the delayed rapture of the church? That discouragement has caused people to start questioning certain things. And just so you know, the rapture of the church is not delayed. When God is ready, we're going home. Um, until that time, the rapture of the church is not going to happen. But what I think is important is that um, discouragement, oppression, and honestly, in some cases, downright depression has even entered into the church. And so there's a, a, a spirit, if you will, of discouragement that, um, as Pastor Rick and I talked about, you know, what we wanted to present that was something we wanted to address. And so I'm going to share a little bit more before I get into the articles and stuff. Um, but I want you to think about this. You know, the world says men can have babies. A baby in the womb does not have a heartbeat after six, week, six weeks. Abortion is a choice. The economy is good. And it goes on and on and on. And so if we look at the world, we're looking at, ooh, what's going on with that? But in addition, if you um, think about it, how do you wrap your head around certain biblical prophecies that are difficult? 
things like, and we're going to get to it in Zechariah in a, in a few weeks, um, where it says that two-thirds of the Jews are going to die during the tribulation. Or in Revelation 6, 8, it says, And power was given uh, unto them over a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and hunger and with death and the beast of the earth. And the same thing happens in Revelation 9, 18. And there it's talking about a third of mankind is going to be killed. The worst part of this is this. In uh, Revelation 20, 20, it says, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues do not repent of the works of their hands. It's a bleak outlook for the unsaved. The world it should be discouraged, convicted, and even depressed. Because you think about it, the best that they have eternally is right now. The best. But believers, according to uh, a quote by Warren Wearsby, Warren Wearsby is a commentator. Um, they call him a pastor to pastors. He says, believers don't live by explanations. Believers live by promises. Yeah. Now think about that. We aren't due, quote, an explanation of why God does what God does. What we're, we're called to do is exactly what Pastor Rick just said, have faith. But we are called to believe in the promises that God has given to us. Let me give you a few scriptures before I get into the uh, headlines. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore... Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your understanding being lightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And then Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And, and there are so many more scriptures that talk about hope. But Jeremiah 29, 11, we should all know, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. We, as believers, should live by the promises that God gives us. Right. And if we do that, then discouragement isn't going to be something that is going to attack us. Yes, we're going to have some oppression. But born-again believers, we should embrace those unbelievable promises that God has given us. While the world is headed towards embracing an antichrist, and if you look at the world and even the headlines today, you can see that uh, it's exponentially increasing, right? Um, but here's the thing. Even though the world is headed toward the antichrist, we're not going to be there. We're not going to be there. God is going to call us home, but in Luke 19, 13, and he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. That occupy till I come means exactly what Pastor Rick was sharing. 
We have the promises of God. We can't hide them under a bushel, as the old song speaks. We need to share that. Because think about the billions, not just the millions, but the billions of people after the rapture takes place that are going to die. God's heart is that every single one of them, and even people that we don't like because of their decisions, God wants them saved. We are the mouthpiece. So we need to look at the world through God's eyes. We need to keep our eyes on him and be obedient to him every single day. No matter how bleak the world gets, or quite honestly, how bleak our life gets. Because we're going to hit some difficult times. Pastor Rick talked about some of that. And so we need to be prepared and be encouraged because we believe in God's promises. We're not all owed an explanation, but we are called to be faithful and obedient to his call upon our life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. It's one of my core beliefs that the Bible or Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's my hope that these messages will help you to do just that and to glorify God and bless others and grow faith. If there's anything that we can do to help you with that, don't hesitate to connect with me. You'll find ways to do that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my sermon notes and other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. And sometimes we do need help to grow in our faith. If there's anything that I can do, don't hesitate to connect with me. I love talking to God's people about God and His Word. So send me your questions and I'll do my best to answer them. This message was shared at Calvary Chapel French Valley in Murrieta, California. If you'd like more information about the church, go to calvaryfv.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, stay in the word and have a radical week with Jesus. Jesus.